Episode 262 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Simonoff sitting in for Bill. The Sedgwick County Zoo is into its sixth decade of entertaining and educating its residents, as well as guests from all over the state and beyond. In that time, the zoo has only had three people in charge. That is until recently, when Scott Newland became the fourth zoo president and CEO. Scott has been around to work with all of the previous three CEOs, and he joins me in this week's podcast to talk about his career, what he's learned in all his years at the zoo, and about the zoo's direction over its next few decades. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is a look at the Greater Wichita Area Sports Commission and its new leader. Kevin Jenks takes over at a pivotal time for the Sports Commission, and reporter Josh Witt takes a look at what's ahead for the 25-year-old organization. That story begins on page 12. This week's list is lobbyists. See what organizations put up the most money to influence Kansas legislators, and see why the list had a lot of turnover the past year. The list is on page nine. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 20. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Well, Scott Newland is the new president and CEO of the Sedgwick County Zoo, and it really appears to be a local boy does good kind of story. He started at our zoo as a volunteer at age 13, and he spent most of his life employed there, most recently as deputy director and now as president and CEO. He joins me on the podcast this week to talk about the zoo and his new role. Scott, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Kurt. So you're 46 years old, so you have aged much like the zoo has over its 50 years. You're a Wichita product. Tell me how, tell me about your Wichita background growing up, your interests, and how the zoo became one of those interests. Sure. So my family actually was kind of planted in southeast Kansas for most of my younger childhood. Um, we moved to Wichita in 1989. And during that summer, um, I was trying to figure out some way to stay engaged, be involved, hadn't met a lot of people here in the community and just didn't want to sit at home in the basement all summer. Um, so my mom and I looked for some volunteer opportunities and the zoo just fit everything that I was interested in at the time. Um, my family historically was military. Um, we didn't move around a lot, but we did move around enough that when my dad was finally ready to get out of the military, he wanted to kind of come back home and, and plant some roots near family. Um, so Wichita wasn't that far of a move for, for us. And I was really fortunate that in all those travels, they took me to a lot of zoos. So I had had a lot of zoo exposure before we came to Wichita. So the volunteer program here at the zoo was just the absolute 
perfect fit for me at that time. What did you end up doing when you were so young and volunteering? So back um, in those days, we only had a few areas that you could actually volunteer at. And so I started in the Velt and got really passionate about African hoofstock. Um, I, my favorite mammal are the hippos. And it's been such a cool experience to have started working with Sweetie Pie and Pudgy when I was a kid and still have them here in our care today. Um, so I got very interested in all of the, the African mammals that we had over there at the time. And when I went off to university, that's really what my focus was, was to come back to a zoo and either be an elephant handler or, or work with some of the large hoofstock. Um, but that all changed for me when I started college out at Fort Hayes State. Um, I got exposed um, to birds through an elective and my mind was just blown. And um, a lot of that has directly to deal with the instructor that I had for ornithology, but birds just clicked. And after that, I never looked back. So I got my bachelor's degree in wildlife management, stayed at Fort Hayes, got my master's in ornithology, um, biology. And shortly after that, uh, had an opportunity to come back to Cedric County Zoo and started working as a temporary keeper um, for someone who actually was going on some medical leave. And that's how I got my foot in the door and have been here ever since. Was it ever a question that you definitely wanted to come back to the Cedric County Zoo and not try another zoo somewhere else? No, I actually did try. Um, funny, we have, I still have a binder um, when I had graduated um, with my bachelor's and trying to look for other zoo jobs. Um, that first spring, I applied at 36 other AZA institutions and actually had an offer from two of them, um, but neither one really was exciting to me. Um, at the same time, I also had an opportunity to go to grad school at Fort Hayes. Um, so when I got done with that, I really would have probably taken any zoo job um, just because that's where my passion was. And I really wanted to get in the industry, having it be here at Cedric County, you know, where I was really used to and, and already kind of had a family, a zoo family here, um, just made it all the much better. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about some of the mentors or people you looked up to in your, in your years at the zoo before now. So, yeah, I had a few supervisors over the years that, um, you know, kind of set me on the right course, so to speak. Um, I had two women that worked with me in the VELT department. Um, Jody and Jenny were their names. Um, both of them were elephant handlers. They had been in the business for many, many years. And I, I just learned so much from them. Um, back then, the, you know, crew really were hardworking people. Um, they trusted me even at that young age to have my own responsibilities. And that just kind of made me feel like this was something that I could do. Um, you know, it's one thing to be passionate about something, but to then to excel at that, you know, really solidifies, you know, kind of that passion and fire in you. So I learned a lot from Jenny and Jody. Um, when I came back after university, um, my supervisor at the time was a gentleman named Joe Barkowski. 
Um, Joe is currently the vice president of animal collections at the Tulsa Zoo. And Joe didn't know me at all, um, had no experience with me. Um, Joe came to us from the Houston Zoo. And um, he kind of took a chance on me in that part-time temporary position. And I learned so much from just kind of watching how he managed people, watched how he managed the collection here at the zoo. And I owe a lot of my success to the lessons that, you know, I kind of picked up from him. Um, so between, between Joe and my professor at Fort Hay State, they really, really kind of set me on that path um, for caring for birds and just being passionate about birds. And as my career kind of continued, I took that passion for animals and birds and kind of started transitioning more towards people. Um, I have always loved the animal side of it, but as I got up in the management ranks, I really found that I, I enjoyed working and managing people just as much as I did working the animals. Uh, is it? I'm just going to make a broad generalization here, and you can tell me if I'm way off. I'm going to assume that not everybody who loves animals can make that transition like you did to managing people. Yeah, that that's correct. Um, there's been a long joke affiliated with zoos that um, you became a zookeeper because you didn't want to work with people. <laughs> Um, however, that is so far from the truth in a modern zoo. Um, nowadays, when we're hiring for zookeepers, I want you to be people, you know, a people person. I want you to be guest forward and, and being out there, engaging with our guests, sharing your passion, sharing our story, talking about all the amazing things we do here, both at Cedric County Zoo and with all of our partners at AZA. So it's really not acceptable to not be a people person anymore. Um, there are still definitely people that get into this industry that are animal people, you know, to the core. And that is their passion. And that's all they want to do. And that's perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, there, there definitely was a point for me where it kind of clicked that, hey, managing people can be fun. It's a lot of work, but um, I, I definitely was seeing rewards you know, for the effort that I was putting into people. So having people that you manage succeed and sometimes even surpass you, that's very rewarding in itself. You mentioned a modern zoo and I kind of think I know what that means because, but could you define what a modern zoo is compared to, you know, what was before that? Yeah, so when, when I think of a modern zoo, um, I really think about what zoos are today and how we are more conservation-based and education-based than maybe just exhibitry-based. Um, you know, there was a time in zoo history, not only here in the U.S., but worldwide, where, you know, zoos started as just menageries. They started as menageries for aristocrats and royalty, and it was a status symbol. Um, and that, you know, happened for a lot longer than a lot of us would like to admit. Um, but there definitely in the 70s and 80s, zoos started to change a little bit. There was a little more of a scientific approach to what we were doing. There was a little more research being done. Um, now, when, I, when I'm talking about a modern zoo, I'm looking at an institution that is you know, there as part of the community, not only for entertainment, but as an education tool 
so that we can talk about conservation. We can talk about issues both locally and abroad that are gonna affect us all someday. Um, we definitely put more and more um, importance on good animal care and, and good welfare. And that has just changed and evolved every year. We are constantly learning, constantly changing the ways we do things. And, and what, I, what is a modern zoo today will be completely different five years from now. So we are, we are definitely constantly evolving. Uh, I believe you're the fourth president and CEO, is that correct? That is correct. What, uh, you know, so you've been around for all three of your predecessors, including Ron Blakely, who was around for a lot of years. Uh, what do you take from their leadership uh, and, uh, and employee with what you're going to do? Yeah, so each one of them, you know, were very different in their management of the zoo. Um, you know, Blakely was very much that kind of forward thinking visionary. Um, Mark Reed, he was, he was driven. He was driven to make this zoo um, relevant within AZA. He wanted us to be, you know, the, the best zoo in our region and really kind of pushed us in a lot of ways to expand and to, you know, really become a, a place that this community can be proud of. Um, Dr. Etling was very much into kind of conservation and um, kind of our green initiatives and really started pushing that boundary. We'd always done conservation here at Cedric County Zoo. We just didn't talk about it very much and we didn't publicize it with our guests. We didn't tell our story. We didn't really advertise some of the things that we were doing in country to, to support animals in the wild. Um, Dr. Jeff kind of brought that to the forefront. And so for me, moving forward, it's trying to keep that momentum of all of those things. How are we being you know, visionary for the future and, and pushing the zoo forward with not only our exhibits, but that conservation mindset and kind of looking at how we can be a greener zoo here while still being the jewel of the community. It's a lot to kind of wrap your head around, but that's kind of where I'm trying to, to steer this ship now. I would imagine having spent so much of your life at the zoo, you tell me though, is it an advantage being a CEO who knows every nook and cranny of the place? I would say yes. Um, as I've told Jenica here before, I've, I've worn a lot of hats out here. Um, and one of the things that I definitely saw out here was um, you shouldn't be afraid to do the little things. Um, you know, if there's trash on the path, you pick it up. If there's a drain clogged, you go over and unclog it. Um, there's, there's no job too big or small out here. And I've done pretty much all of those things as I've moved up through the ranks. So um, it does definitely give me a, a different perspective, especially when it comes in terms of, you know, what our keepers and horticulture staff and our maintenance teams, you know, really need out here. Because um, I've, I've been in the trenches with them. I've worked side by side with them. I know the challenges that they have um, in their day to day. So it, it, I think it is a huge asset that I do know this institution as well as I do. 
Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about the institution a little bit. You and I were talking before we started recording about how the zoo, when it opened in the early seventies, there you know it was establishing itself. There wasn't a lot of expansion or change until the nineties, uh, and you know you were a part of that. You were in on the ground floor of that expansion. Um, you know, is that how a, a, a new zoo normally operates? You have to get your footing in and then you look to expand and grow and modernize. Yeah, I think if you look around, you know, the country at zoos that any of us would say, oh, that's, you know, that's a good zoo or, or that's a, you know, world famous zoo. Um, they all started small. Um, they all started either with a, a collection of animals that was given to them or maybe they, you know, started with, you know, a park in one part of the city. And then as we did, you know, we're granted another section of land. Um, you know, in, in modern times, you know, the Nashville Zoo was completely in a different place geographically when the, where they are, you know, today. And they made that decision 20 years ago to, to move an entire zoo. Um, but most of us started small. Um, and so... A lot of places went through kind of a slow growth, kind of getting their feet underneath of them, so to speak. And then just creating good partnerships, <clears throat> both either with, you know, their local, you know, governance or depending on how the zoo was ran or donors. Um, you know, donors, it goes without saying, are huge for us here at Sedgwick County Zoo. And we had some really passionate donors that came forward and really helped us make some of these exhibits, you know, reality. And you would see most zoos across the country have people in those communities that are just as passionate. And that's how a lot of their exhibits get built, how a lot of that growth occurs. Sedgwick County Zoo is in the middle of a 25-year strategic plan. Can you kind of talk about the basics of what that means and and what has already been accomplished in that? Sure. So, um, we broke our 25 year down into multiple phases and phase one, we actually are just about complete with, um, that was the new entry project, a new leopard complex that the Slauson family partnered with us to make a reality. Um, those were kind of phase one A and then one B is the opening of the Martha C. Buford um, Safari Express train out here at the zoo. Um, Those were things that we identified early on that we needed. We needed a new administration building. We had in the 50 years that we had been in operation, we had definitely outgrown the space that we had that used to set up on 21st Street. And we didn't even have our entire um, strategic operations team under one roof. We were kind of spread out all over the campus. We also didn't have a very good um, situation for our guests as they approached the zoo and tried to get into the zoo. Um, so opening up this new front entry complex really addressed a lot of those needs. Um, so that was a huge kind of game changer for how we're able to operate the zoo. And then the leopard expansion, um, one of the, the leopard exhibits was one of the last remnant exhibits that we have that just no longer is adequate and we know it's no longer adequate. Um, So we really wanted to make improvements, not only for the cat that we had at the time, but for the future. 
And that exhibit was designed to not only support our needs, but to support the needs of both of those leopard species within AZA, as we can be definite participants in the sustainability of those species. And I'll tell you, folks, if you haven't been to the zoo since the pandemic, my family just made its first trek since the pandemic a few weeks ago. And that leopard exhibit is one of the coolest things in the zoo. There is no doubt. You can get so close, you know, under a leopard, basically, and, and just watch him watch life around him. It is really outstanding that you that is just first rate stuff. Yeah. And that exhibit is a great example of what I was discussing earlier about how we are constantly trying to push boundaries, not only for our guest experience, but for the animals and animal care. Um, so much thought went into that exhibit as to how we were going to provide those animals a, a great experience and, and great um, quality of life. And the way that we were able to incorporate both the cat's needs and then the guest experience worked really well over there. Um, yeah, most days you can come over and see at least one or two of our cow, cats lounging up in the, the upper walkways. And it's such an impressive view to, to see an animal from that perspective. It really is cool. Uh, the elephants have their new area. There are so many new areas. Um, what, what's next in the plan? What are the, what's, I guess, phase two of the 25 year plan? What are the highlights? Well, phase two, we are kind of looking at, um, for most of you that have been here at the zoo, um, we've got a big chunk of property in the back that we have always tried to think of what would be the best use of that of that chunk of land. And for those of you that have seen, you know, the master plan, um, we need to, much like what we did for leopards and what we did for elephants, um, we know we need to make some improvements for rhinos, for giraffe, for a lot of our um, animals that are in our African section. And so we are kind of thinking along those lines that those would be the next exhibits that we address and how best to do that, we're not really sure yet. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of moving pieces as you can imagine. Um, and especially with the crazy economy that we have right now, um, what you think something will cost today um, costs a lot more in five weeks. So, um, but those are some of the things we're kind of looking at. You will also see a few more improvements around the zoo, just as we, we learn how guests are going to kind of move around with the new train and um, just to see where we need to make some adjustments with that. Um, I'd really love to get another playground out here at the zoo. Um, on a nice day, the playground we have down at the Downing Gorilla Forest Complex, it is just inundated with kids. And so there's obviously a need, you know, for more play spaces. And so we'd like to incorporate some of those things in, into the exhibit mm -hmm. or into the zoo. So um, those are just a, a few of the kind of hundred foot level things we're looking at for the phase two. I, I should ask more about the train because that can probably be a, a pretty big difference maker in, in the way people look at attending the zoo, right? Yeah. So we will have two train stations. So a guest can get on up front of the zoo here at the, at the kind of entry station, and they will take a journey that's mainly behind the scenes. 
um, the train does not cross the zoo for, for much of its route. Instead, most of the train is going to go to areas that our guests typically don't get to see. Um, we do have a second station that will be out to the west of the Downing Gorilla Forest. So guests can choose to ride out to the Downing Gorilla Forest and get off, or they can choose to stay on and make a complete loop. Um, if they do get off and explore the southern end of the zoo, then their ticket will allow them to get back on and take the second half of the route um, back to the front of the zoo. Um, but the train will also provide some really unique experiences and views of the elephant exhibit. Um, later this fall, we will be doing some additional work in the Australia South America exhibit to combine um, some smaller exhibits into a bigger mixed species exhibit that will actually be closer to the train ride than um, guests have typically seen that exhibit. So there'll be a lot of really interesting views from the train. And I think it'll be a lot easier, you know, for people to navigate the zoo. Um, we, we agree, we've got a big campus here and it can, you can spend four to five hours here at the zoo if you try to see everything. Um, I think the train will kind of help cut down on some of the foot traffic and the length of time it takes you to get all the way out to gorillas. And I think it'll, it'll bring families out um, just because it'll be a little more convenient for them. Mm -hmm. Two more questions as we wrap up. Uh, let's say it's 1989 and you're starting as a 13 year old volunteer. Did you ever picture yourself in this job? Uh, not at all. Um, again, my dream was to, to be with the animals, work with the animals. Um, I always thought, you know, I'd want to try to get to the curatorial level to be in charge of, you know, an animal division. That was always my goal. But as I stated earlier, um, I slowly started to really figure out that I really liked working with people. And here at the zoo, if you like working with people, you, you can't stay in your own silo. And so I'd find myself branching out to, you know, other departments and talking with other people and advising other people and getting asked questions from other, you know, staff members. So that, that was kind of how it led me here, but no, I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be sitting here talking to you as president of the zoo. Well, it's a neat story. Last question. Uh, Everybody has their favorite place at the zoo. My, my wife loves the big cats. My, my daughter loves the rainforest. And I could sit and watch the, the beavers swim all day. What's your one go-to place that you just love more than anywhere else? So this will not come to a surprise of anybody on my team, um, but mine is also the Tropics building. Mm -hmm. um, I was supervisor of that building for the majority of my career. And I still, if, if it's a you know, a, a busy day or a day that I'm just ran down, I can go down to that exhibit, sit down and kind of just be at peace for a while. Um, I love watching the birds fly around that experience. I love watching the guests react to birds. Um, one of my favorite things is, is to watch guests see a bird that they hadn't seen before in that experience, or maybe, you know, push themselves. We have a lot of people that are bird phobic, you know, that don't really have that comfort level with birds. So watching them be able to go into that experience and come out a little bit less afraid of birds. I just, I love going down there and, and taking that in. 
it's a neat place and it always has been. Well, Scott, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. I, this is a great local story of a local kid who grows up and is, and, and is now the CEO of the Sedgwick County Zoo. Congratulations, and we, we look for great things from the zoo in the future. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the time today. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 262. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.